Here's my checklist on everything you need to do to protect your digital life. Enjoy. Welcome to the Paul Miners Podcast, the show that will help you to optimize your time, income, and lifestyle fast. Get more done with actionable, easy-to-follow advice and learn how to live life on your terms. And now, introducing your host, Paul Miners. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Paul Miners Podcast to episode number 136. And today I'm sharing my checklist on everything you need to do to protect your digital life. Now, the motivation, the uh, prompt, if you like, for this particular blog post that I've written and this podcast came about because literally last week I came across an article. It was actually tweeted out um, by, oh, I've forgotten the guy's name. Anyway, saw this tweet about this story uh, of a an online journalist, uh, Matthew Miller, and he tells the story of how he got SIM swapped, which is where a hacker swaps your phone number to a SIM that they control, a SIM card that they control. And in doing so, he lost access to his Twitter account, his Gmail account, his Google Drive, had his personal files and documents deleted, and he had $25,000 stolen from his personal bank account. A very scary story. And so I've actually changed my podcast schedule because um, I read this article and I was like, you know what? This is a big deal. I want to I wanna kind of talk about this. And so I changed my schedule to kind of fit this in this week pushed everything back because this is a topic that I've become more and more interested in funnily enough even though that kind of digital security and privacy it's not particularly a very exciting topic but I don't know I for one have found that over the last few years as privacy has become more of a, an issue among tech companies you know people are always looking at Facebook and Google and Apple and Amazon and privacy is a kind of a big big topic that's often being debated I've become more interested in learning about how I can protect my self online my data and getting into bitcoin as well certainly has been really interesting because it's about now how do you protect your digital assets this this currency this investment that you own so I've I've become more and more interested interested in this topic and I wanted to talk about this as well because most people I talk to are far too casual when it comes to protecting themselves and their data and their documents and things online, either because people think, number one, it won't happen to me, or because taking the steps to protect yourself is seen as too much of a chore. But imagine, if you're feeling thinking of this right now, if you're like, oh, I know, I know what you're going to say, but it, imagine if you lost access to your email or your personal documents, or worse, if all that was deleted um, a few years ago, actually, I read a story about someone who lost all their iCloud data, including all of their family photos. So imagine all of those memories gone forever. I All of my photos are in, in iCloud, and I certainly wouldn't want to lose those. And getting hacked like this really would turn your world world upside down. And if you run an online business like me, then even your income could be at risk. So definitely something worth thinking about. Um, the frustrating thing about this story that I read is that Matthew, the, the journalist, the author who wrote it, at the end he lists all the really simple things he did wrong that left him exposed. And so today I want to talk about and list some really simple things you can do to protect yourself and your data. Um, I would view the following list basically as the bare minimum you should be doing. And if you're not following these guidelines, you could be putting your digital life at risk. So we're going to get into the checklist now. If you want to view the blog post for this episode, that's at paulminers.com forward slash 136. I've got links to the original story that I read that I mentioned. It's really worth going and reading in detail. There's a video where Matthew explains the situation as well. Definitely go and read that or, or watch the video to get the backstory first because it's really interesting following the chain of events of what happened. So first thing you can do 
is use strong, unique passwords for everything. And this probably is the number one piece of advice that I'm sure you have heard many times before from me and other people. And I can literally picture you rolling your eyes in your head right now. But it's such a simple thing you can do to drastically improve your online security. Uh, at the end of this hacking story, Matthew says, uh, and I quote, he says, I'm going to consider using, or he says some things you can do, consider using a password manager. And in my view, you shouldn't consider it, you should just do it. Most people use the same password or, or a variation of the same password for every website and service they sign up to. And what this means is that if one of these websites gets hacked, the password that you use for a bunch of services, now, services is now available for these bad guys to take advantage of. And if you think this is unlikely, then think again, because Dropbox and LinkedIn have both been hacked in the past, and as a result, millions of usernames and passwords are now available to purchase on the dark web. You can even visit websites like haveibeenpwned.com, and you can see, you can put in your email, and you can see if passwords and emails that you own and have used are available on the dark web, and if it is, you might want to go and change it. And what people do, just to kind of explain this a little bit more, is hackers will buy these lists of passwords and they just stuff them into all sorts of websites like Google and to see what works. And once they get into an account, great, it works. They can try getting into other accounts or if they get into your email, they can reset passwords to Facebook or your banking or whatever. So the solution to this is you create a strong password, you know, something over 20 characters and a combination of numbers, letters and characters, and it should be unique for every service you use. And there's no easier way to do this than signing up to a password manager like 1Password. Uh, there's also LastPass, a um, couple of others, um, but yeah, 1Password is the go-to for a lot of people. And a few weeks ago, actually, on my blog, I wrote about how to get started with 1Password. There's a video there as well, so definitely check that out. And even if you don't change your password for every service immediately, just starting with your email, banking, and a few other important accounts would be a great start. You don't have to do it all today or this week, but just go and change those most important accounts, like your iCloud. The second step you can do is turn on two-factor authentication and avoid SMS authentication if you can. So now that you've got these strong, unique passwords, the next step is turn on two-factor authentication. Uh, most services and accounts will allow this. It's becoming much more common. And what this means is even if a hacker has your password, they would still need a one-time six-digit code to get into your account. And these two-factor codes can be sent to you as a text message or via an authenticator app like 1Password, like the Google Authenticator. And the app just generates a new password every 30 seconds. In my opinion, you should be using the app. In the article, the reason Matthew was hacked is because the hacker was able to swap his phone number to a new SIM by just, just, just simply calling T-Mobile. And this meant that he was able to reset a load of passwords or gain access to these two-factor codes via Matthew's phone. So with 1Password, instead of waiting for a text, you can set up these two-factor codes, which means instead of waiting for a text, you can just quickly input the login code using a keyboard shortcut. And once you're set up, it's actually faster to log in, um, just super fast to log in, even with two-factor authentication enabled. So definitely be turning on two-factor. If it's an option, use the authenticator code option. Try not to use SMS if you can. Step number three is talk to your cell phone provider about SIM swapping. Because as the article describes, this entire hack was possible because the hacker called T-Mobile and was able to transfer Matthew's phone number to a new SIM that the hacker controlled. And in another case I read about, a hacker was able to gain access to a victim's iCloud account by learning the customer's credit card numbers after calling Amazon. And in both cases, these various companies were able to hand over literally the keys to the castle to a customer's account after the hacker navigated a few pretty simple loopholes. 
And obviously the companies that we trust with our data should be doing more. They should not be letting this happen. T-Mobile should be having more steps in place to prevent SIM swapping. But, you know, you can't trust them. It's up to you to take your own security into your own hands because you don't know what they're doing to protect your data and they say we're protecting your data but as we hear time and time again there's always data breaches and things going on and loopholes that are being exposed so after reading this story i called my cell phone provider and asked them about the process of swapping a phone number to a new sim they assured me that before a phone number can be swapped they you have to confirm the action by repeating a code that is sent to the original phone that's the one that you have. So you can't just answer a simple, simple question and get it swamped. You have to approve it on the phone. So that, that was reassuring to me. And so this may seem like an unnecessary thing to do because the company should be taking it in. They should be ensuring your data is safe. But I certainly don't mind making a quick 10-minute call to check with my provider if it means that you know I'm, I'm confident they're looking after my data. This episode of the Paul Miners podcast is sponsored by Text Expander. Now, Text Expander is a tool you've probably heard me talk about on the blog and podcast quite a lot already. It's one of my absolute favorite productivity tools, and here's why. First off, it makes storing expandable text like email templates and links super easy and convenient. This means you can quickly write emails or share links and spit out text anywhere on any device. Now, Text Expander is also ideal for teams. And with a Teams account, your common responses are accessible and searchable by everyone on the team. They can be written and edited by your best writers, and changes are pushed out to your team on the fly. I use Text Expander with my wife Haley, and I can update email responses and links that she frequently uses, and she doesn't even need to worry about making any changes. She just gets the change without even realizing. Using Text Expander, you can save a massive amount of time and improve your productivity in very tangible ways. Last month, for example, I saved over four hours just on typing using Text Expander. To learn more and to get started, head to textexpander.com slash podcast and choose Paul Miners in the drop-down menu where it asks, how did you hear about us? And you can get a 30-day free trial and 20% off when you sign up. That's textexpander.com slash podcast to get a free 30-day trial and save 20%. And thank you, Text Expander, for sponsoring the Paul Miners podcast. Step number four is to back up multiple copies of your important documents and, and data, and cloud storage does not count. So in the story, Matthew lost access to his Google account, including Google Drive, where he kept personal documents, passwords, and data, things like tax returns, information for his wife, pa uh, and passwords and things for his wife, and the hacker literally deleted them. Gone. And Matthew describes in the article, he's now struggling to get support from Google to even recover the account. They're not even being very useful. Again, most people I talk to do not back up their documents and data, uh, and sorry, their documents and data, even though it is so easy. So firstly, Dropbox, Google Drive, OneDrive, whatever you use, that does not count as backup. Yes, these services might make it quicker and easier to get access to your data if you lost your computer or damaged your computer. And so you can just log in and you can download all your documents. But it's not really a proper backup solution, as this story illustrates, because if you lose access to the account, then you can just delete everything. So what are some proper backup solutions? Well, firstly, if you're on a Mac, you can use something like Time Machine. It's built into the, into the Mac, and there's a link on my website where you can learn about how to get started with Time Machine. And so all your documents, your photos, you cannot get that all backed up to a hard drive that is a hard drive that sits in your house or on your desk at work, wherever you want to keep it. Keep that hard drive and you've got a, a clone of your computer ready, backed up in case you ever lose your computer. If you're on a PC, I did a very quick Google search and I found uh, an app called Zinstall. That's Z-I, 
Z install um, or Z, depending on the, what part of the world you're from. And it does pretty much the same thing. I've never used this app, so please do your own research. If you're a PC user, you might find something better. I did a quick Google and found this. Anyway, there are options out there for Mac and PC users to back up and clone your hard drive to an external drive. Spend 50, 100 bucks to buy a couple of terabytes and start backing up. Make it a daily practice. When I plug my computer in to my display at work, it's connected to a hub with my um, hard drive plugged in. Backups are happening literally every single day. I don't even have to do anything. I don't have to run any software. It just happens in the background. As well as Time Machine, I also use Backblaze and have a, a go to my article, paulmanus.com slash 136 to get a link to Backblaze's website. Um, and this is my sort of secondary backup method. Backblaze basically encrypts and copies my documents and data to their secure backup facility. And if you ever lose your computer, they will send you a hard drive with a clone of your computer on it. So even if, you know, my I lose access to my accounts, if one of those hard drives that I've got backed up, if that breaks, I'm covered because I have multiple backups now. And so to learn more about different backup strategies, I would highly recommend there's a very good episode of the Mac Power Users podcast that I listened to a few years ago. I've linked to it in my show notes. That our um, podcast goes into insane detail about different ways you can back up and they have this uh, 3 two, one method that kind of you should have, I don't know, three copies, two places or one something, I don't know. Anyway, they go into a lot of detail about backing up your documents. The moral of the story is cloud storage doesn't count. Make sure as a minimum you have some kind of time machine or hard drive backup as well, preferably multiple backups. Number five, make sure you can recover your passwords. So when you sign up to services like 1Password, you get what's called a secret key. And this is a long, I think it's 24 digits uh, code, which you, need to log, uh, which you need to log into your account. So without this code, you, you can't get access to your passwords. Not even 1Password can help you. They can't reset your master password. So if you do sign up to something like 1Password, make sure you back up this secret key by printing it out. Don't keep a copy stored online and give it to a trusted friend or family member. It's the same with things like, you know, with Bitcoin wallets, again, I've been getting into, and you get these 12 or 24 uh, word recovery phrases, which can be used to recover your funds. It's really important when you get these long phrases and digits and things for one password, Bitcoin wallets, that you print them out, <clears throat> keep a copy in your house, give copies to family members. And now I have these recode, uh, recovery codes stored with multiple copies with different family members so that even if I lose my computer or if our entire house burns to the ground, I still have access to my passwords and my assets. Again, it's one of these little extra steps that people often skip, but it would be a real shame to go through all this effort to protect yourself only to lose access later because you didn't take that little extra step. The final tip is to never log into websites with Facebook or Twitter. And so you, you've probably seen these login options before. You go to a website and there's a button, login with Facebook, login with Twitter, and you should be avoiding these buttons like the plague. Um, it, it's really quick and easy because it makes signing up to a service really easy. And so they're very attractive. You want to click it and go, yeah, I'd love to sign in as Facebook. That'll be quick. And websites include them to kind of speed up that onboarding experience because they can quickly get access to your name, your gender, your age, other information about you, probably more than you think. And it helps them to streamline and fast track that onboarding experience. But it does mean that if your Facebook or your, or your Twitter account is compromised, like Matthews was in the article, you could lose access to all the accounts that you use to log in with that social account too. So instead, it's slightly longer, but you should be choosing the option to log in with an email address. Again, set up a strong, unique password and store this in your chosen password manager. 
Now, I know that some of these things might be hard to hear and setting up a password manager or backing up documents seems like a chore, but please, it is far better than the alternative, which is losing access to your entire digital life. Again, imagine you had all your family photos or important videos of your kids or your grandkids stolen. Uh, important documents, you know, university, uh, you know, you read stories of people that lose assignments and things. So it is worth taking a few of these simple steps to protect yourself, not just from hacking, but just general computer mishaps as well, you know, breaking your computer, things like that. Like I said, privacy is a pretty hot topic in the tech sphere right now, which is why I do whatever I can to take ownership of my information and protect myself. If you have any questions about anything I've said, please leave me a comment on the blog. Head on over to paulminers.com slash 136. And I want to learn from you as well. If I've missed anything really obvious, if there's something um, that I didn't mention today, please leave me a comment and let me know your tips on protecting yourself and your data online. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. I will catch you next time on the Paul Miners Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to the Paul Miners Podcast. Two quick things before I go. Firstly, if you enjoyed this episode or if you have any feedback, please leave me a review on iTunes. It really does mean a lot to me because it helps the show to get uh, discovered so that more people can benefit from the content. And I would love your help getting the show out there. So please, if you have a minute, I would love a review on iTunes. And uh, on that note, if you want to give me any more feedback, you can always reach out to me via my blog, leave me a comment, or if you're on my newsletter list, you can respond to any of my emails as well. I really do love hearing from my listeners and hearing what you want to learn about and getting your feedback. Number two, if you want to connect with me on a more regular basis, you can become a VIP member of my website. Head to paulminers.com VIP to learn about my membership options and how to get access to my private Slack community. This has typically been reserved for my uh, high-end customers in the past, but I've opened it up for the first time. So head on over to the website paulminers.com VIP to learn how you can get access to my private Slack channel where you'll also get access to my complete library of book summaries as well. One more time, thank you very much for listening and I will catch you next time on the Paul Miners Podcast.